Welcome to the Producer Review Podcast, the premier podcast for aspiring artists and producers. We discuss production, mixing, recording, and review your track submissions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. review podcast i thank you guys for tuning in to the show today this past week i've been a little bit busy just trying to find some solutions i actually was trying to build a native app for the podcast itself because i think that's kind of a cool way to put the podcast somewhere where everybody can get it uh, right on their phone and they don't have to really go looking for it on other sites even though it is on spotify it is on google um, a Google Podcast. It's also on um, a number of different a number of different places. Um, iTunes. It's out there. So, um, but then when you get into those sites, it's kind of like you have to either search for it or you're swimming for it. Uh, and I think a native app or um, a standalone app would be like the way to go. Plus, then we could add other things to that particular app. So. It's just kind of an idea that I have. I've been dabbling in building apps, um, at least for Android through Android Studio since about 2015. Just kind of self-taught, just going on Google, looking at tutorials, going through and following the tutorials and kind of programming it, um, programming it out, just learning a little bit of the JavaScript language. I'm nowhere near a pro, but I've got a couple of apps that I've, I've developed that actually um, did function so uh, so I have an idea kind of what goes into it and now I'm just looking at some other solutions because uh, the problem I ran into with those particular apps is that then it had to be redeveloped again in um, for iOS so that's that presents an issue so I want to kind of head that off so I've been looking at going into um, developing a native software through um, using like react native to uh, design uh, the app so that it would be compatible with both iOS and Android systems. So that's probably a little bit off the beaten topic here, uh, but just um, it's kind of production in a way as well because it's kind of taking all of your ideas and putting them together and and solidifying them into a product that other people can use. Uh, and I want it to be real simple. This one is actually more simple than the other apps that I was attempting to develop uh, back in the day. So uh, it feels like it should be a lot more simple, but there's definitely some challenges there. But we'll work on it and just see what happens. But hopefully one day we'll have an app for the Producer Pro- uh, Review Podcast that you can actually download. But today's topic definitely is not about that. Um, today's topic is I'm going to be dealing a little bit with the psychology around music contracts, specifically the responsibilities for the parties that are involved. So in the interwebs lately, we have seen artists having complaints about their contracts. Right now, Megan Thee Stallion is um, the main one that's out there, but there have been others. We had Mace some weeks back um, talking about uh, his contract with... um, with bad boy and and how he wants you know he wants the rights to his his publishing and all that and he wants his publishing given back to him 
So with these disputes, um, I, I think that we should talk about that here on the show because as producers, at some point, you're going to have to deal with record labels, uh, you know, hopefully. And even at a small level, um, you have to know what you're signing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, go in depth on it, see what my perspective is on it. Once again, this is my opinion on it. Uh, my opinion probably is a little more harsh than others, <laughs> but um, it's what I think about it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I don't really like talking about things just because they're popular or just because I need something to say on social media or something like that. I really don't like going that route. That's why I haven't went the whole YouTube influencer route or whatever. That's not really what this is about. This is about real learning uh, for for the people that are tuning in. So uh, the the topics that we discuss shouldn't be something that's just um, just something popular right now. It should be things that are going to help people down the line when they're listening to this podcast in five years and they discover that this has existed for five years uh, and they start listening uh, maybe from the beginning. They'll hear things that are still relevant to them at that time. I see a lot of that on social media because social media is um, is geared towards um, the right now, you know, the right now. So a lot of people talk about what's happening right now or um, as people who want to be influencers or people who want to continue to develop their following, they have to talk about subjects. So they have to find something to talk about. And so they get on and then next thing you know, they're kind of rambling on um, just about things that really are not all that helpful sometimes it's just something to talk about so that they have something to put out and i just don't really want to go that route i'm going to put out things when i want to put them out um, when i feel like it's necessary to put it out i'm just going to do it the way i want to do it i don't i don't really care about being an influencer i don't care if there's one person that listens to the show I, honestly <laughs> you know i'm really not that kind of person I, I really don't care i do it because i like to do it so um that's never going to be a thing for me where I feel like I have to put something out because, oh, people are expecting something. I really could care less. I do it just because it's it's something that I want to do and it's fun for me and I have the time to do it. And that's why I'm here. So um, so let's get back into the subject here. So, um, right. You would think by now with with all the history of record labels and managers and contracts and the disputes that have happened that maybe you know record labels and even managers and people like that would have a perfected contract that would be fair and there would be less cause for dispute uh but that's really not the case but my perspective is a little different the onus doesn't always sit with the record label only and i think a lot of times especially right now like through social media it's real easy for an artist to get on and bash the label and everybody says, oh, well, the label is the one with the power. So they all jump on the label and, and, and feel like the label is the only one at fault. But I don't, I don't subscribe to that. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about it in a little bit just to figure out why that's not the case. So I'm going to call attention to some of the elements and ingredients that tend to end up in this recipe for disaster um, or at least a near disaster. Because it's not always a disastrous thing, as we're going to find out. So let's talk about business in general first. We have to understand the function of a business. So what is the function of a business? So normally a business is created and it solves some type of issue or challenge. So a restaurant 
prepares food and it sells it as a convenience to people who don't want to cook right it's just easier to go out and sit at a table and have someone bring you your food and while you kind of talk with your family and friends it's a convenience so they're solving an issue there if you go to a dentist office that exists because it helps people maintain healthy teeth and they perform surgeries even to repair teeth and and things with your mouth so um, that's a service as well but it also resolves some type of issue or challenge if you have a lawn maintenance company or a landscaping company that exists to take care of the aesthetics of a home or even some business location so when people arrive there they're not turned off by the you know the grass being four feet tall or something or the hedges not being trimmed or um, the plants looking crazy uh, people may not spend money so you hire a landscaping company or a lawn maintenance company to come out and make your place look nice so that when people come there they feel comfortable these these are just examples and i use different examples for different types of business and there's a myriads of different types of businesses but they all exist and they all have the function of solving some type of issue or challenge even scam businesses they solve the challenge of whoever's behind the scam is trying to get money so you know even that has some type of um issue that it's trying to solve so every business has some type of issue or challenge that it resolves and that's why they get paid to do what they do so i think you guys kind of got the point on that so generally let's talk about a record label a record label provides a solution just like the rest of these businesses so what does it do one it provides the funding for music artists including producers that's why we're here right to be exposed to a larger audience right it takes money that um it gets either from its own accounts or it invests money from other accounts um, that people have provided to them because they're not always the ones with the money they, they get money from from other places in order to put into these artists they invest that money into marketing and branding of an artist they're creating them like the pictures and the videos you see and sending them to radio interviews and make having them make television appearances and appearances at clubs and things a lot of times they're they're fronting the money for that to get the person started the artist started the label also has connections in the entertainment industry um those those connections will open doors for the artist that the artist they didn't even know those doors existed or that the artist doesn't have access to they can't really open those doors themselves so the the industry has a lot of gatekeepers and those are the layers of people that you have to meet before you can actually meet somebody who's considered to be influential you know these are the people that are the check writers and the people who create the money that those checks are written um, to deliver so um there's a lot of doors and there's a lot of doorways that have to be open and the label gives you like a fast pass fast pass to get through some of those those layers um, whereas if you're just doing it on your own it takes time it takes time and it takes money to get out there and travel and, and meet these people but the labels labels can put you into that position quite quickly so the label also can put artists in in touch with producers um, that can build a project for the artist according to the branding and, and the marketing and the image of the artist um, that the artist created or that the label wants to create. So from there, the label can arrange studio sessions in the best studios. 
Um, those studios typically are going to be a little bit more expensive. The engineers are probably going to be a little bit more seasoned. Uh, the product is probably going to sound just a little bit better. It just is. So those are just some of the solutions a label provides. And this is why people look at going to a label and signing with them because they're looking to solve the issue of not having um, those challenges resolved. So labels probably do a lot of other things too, but the main point is that they provide some sort of solution for artists in their careers. So like all businesses, record labels extract a price for their connections, the investments, and the risk that they take. So they don't do this for free, right? What in the world do you really get for free? It's not a whole lot that you get for free. So... The most important thing that we will talk about today is risk. That's the most important word here. So think about a new artist, okay? The artist typically is not gonna have a following of more than a few thousand people. Even let's say up to 20,000 people on the, on the internet or on their social medias are following them. They're typically not gonna have more than that. So, um, how many of those followers really translate into true buyers? Now that's kind of something that's that's a little bit skewed today because people have social media accounts that get really big and they're talking about, oh, I got these likes, I got these likes, and you know, I've got, you know, 10,000 followers and I get all these likes. And that's great and everything, but it, yeah, I come from an era where you actually literally had to sell a CD, a physical CD. You had to get somebody to get up, get dressed, get in their car and go to a store and buy your CD. So that was, I think, a lot harder than somebody who doesn't even have to get out of their bed in the morning. They can just roll over, turn on their phone, find your music online and just play it. Think of, Think about the difference between those two things. Um, it's a difference like cooking a meal at home and, and going, buying all the ingredients, putting it all together, cooking it, and then sitting down to eat or going to a restaurant and just telling somebody else what you want to eat. So that's, that's the difference between the two. So people engage in your content and they may like it as a form of entertainment, but do those likes really actually translate into actual spending real money? You know, will that person pull out their card and, and put money down on what they liked or, or something that they saw or some type of entertainment they got from your social media profile? So that engagement is really kind of something that um, gives gives artists today, I think, a skewed view of who they are and where they are as an artist at any particular point in time, because anybody can pop be popular. Anybody can go viral. But that doesn't mean that these same people who like what you're doing, even though they're being entertained, are going to actually pull out any money and spend physical dollars with you. Now, the artist, too, typically has limited funds to produce a real saleable product. That comes from the that that should tell you right there, because what's the first thing an artist tells you as a producer when you tell them, you know, that you have beats? They tell you they don't have any money, right? This is this is pretty much all of our headache, right? Artists that never have any money to buy beats. 
So, or, you know, they only got 20 or 30 bucks for a beat. Like this, they typically have limited funding, which means that all these likes and all these things that they're getting on their social media have not trans transformed into any money, any real money. It's just likes. So, so you think about that. They, they might have a decent studio that they've worked with or some producer that they're working with. That's cool. But it's not going to be at the level of a team that a label can provide them. Now, it's going to be different for every label. Every label is going to be formulated different. Um, but there's some kind of team at the label, somebody who's going to be looking at what are we going to do for marketing? What are we going to do for studios? What are we going to do for production? They're thinking about those things and helping the artist with the thought of that instead of the artist doing it on their own. So typically an artist doesn't even have a saleable product when they're when they're just first starting out. They don't they don't have that product. Now, an artist will also have limited funds to travel. So if they can't buy a beat for thirty dollars, then they certainly can't be in two or three cities in one day. You know, going from L.A. to New York or to Texas or wherever they got to go to have these meetings with radio or meetings and doing um, recording sessions in other cities or, or making new music in these studios. They don't have any money for all this. So they're pretty much arriving at the label with with no track record of success in hand. They have a lot of risk to offer. So this is where this is. Um, where it's important to understand the role of each player. And artists typically don't understand the role, and the general public doesn't understand the role either. The general public has a whole other view of what the music industry is like. They think that someone signs you, and all of a sudden money just starts to fall out of the clouds, and, and everywhere you go, you're stepping on money. And that just doesn't, it, that's just not the way it is. So with understanding the roles of each player, you can understand kind of where you are as an artist or as a producer. You need to understand where you are. Um, and, you know, by understanding where you are, um, you're going to figure out what solutions you actually need to go to another level in your career. The label takes risk when they say, hey, we're going to invest in a career that hasn't yet even manifested. So these are people that believe in you at a certain level. I don't care what artists say, if somebody says, hey, come here, sign on the dotted line, I'm going to put some money behind you and your career, they believe in you at a certain level, right? So, you know, it, it is kind of funny, like years later, the artists say, oh, well, labels don't care about artists. Well, they do at some level, they gave you something to get started. So, it, you know, that's just normally set out of bitterness without actually looking at the position they were in when they actually signed that contract. So if there is no track record of success, um, the record label has no idea whether they're going to get their money back or not. Their ROI is not guaranteed. This is a business just like every other business. You can open a restaurant, but there's no guaranteed and, you know, guarantee that anybody's going to come in there and sit down and eat or enough people are going to come sit down and eat so that you can be successful. That's why one of the, a restaurant is like one of the worst businesses to own, at least in my opinion, because if it doesn't take off, you're gonna lose a lot of money. And then you're throwing away your investment every single day, all that food that you have to cook and prepare. And if nobody comes and eat it, what can you do? You can't serve it tomorrow. You gotta throw it away. So, you know, it's just, you know, that's kind of like the record business itself. If nobody comes to play with your artist, you're done. 
you know, if nobody likes your artist, the artist doesn't produce something that the masses love, you could spend a lot of money and be out that money. So there's no guarantee on the ROI or the return on investment. Now, there's a few other things that kind of come into play and that we've got to think about. So we have the part of the business part. We, we know what the labels part in it is. We kind of know what the artist part is in it. But then there's some other things that take place. And these things are going to be um, things that a lot of times we don't have control over just because of where we are in life. The first one is emotions. So there's always going to be the risk that the artist is not stable mentally. And I've dealt with a lot of artists and I've recorded a lot of artists. I know how sensitive artists can be. Um, I know um, that emotional behavior is a characteristic of artists. A lot of the things that you see and a lot of the things that we, we find as memes and, and a lot of the activities that artists um, are involved in, it just proves that they have a, a different set of genes that, uh, that, that allow them, number one, to be creative, but when things go bad, artists can be very emotional and they can do things that are very out of character. So, you know, even though they may sing great or they might rap great, um, they may not have any conflict, conflict resolution skills. You know, they don't have the ability to resolve issues in a way that benefits everybody or at least it's settled amicably. So when they get involved in a situation where it's a tough situation and you need to make a business decision on which way you're going to go, they react emotionally, which typically means they're going to act irrationally. They're not going to think from a position of logic or problem solving or real conflict resolution. They're going to just kind of act out and lash out because they're angry. And when you're angry, you don't think straight. Right. So and especially when money becomes involved, then it's then it's 10 times worse. So when those emotions go unchecked, the artist can put their career and their reputation and the label reputation at risk. How many artists are in jail like right now how many artists have been to jail that you know of because they were doing some maybe they got involved in something even even prior to being artists that maybe they shouldn't have or you know or are fighting or or you know attacking people and doing things like that like you see it all the time you see they, they wear their emotions on their sleeve and if they've got money they feel like oh well i'll just pay the lawyer I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I'll out to this person and then I'll just pay the lawyer. And that's, you know, that's just the emotional, you know, level that the artist can be on. And you think about the label is taking risk with that because they don't know what this person is going to do, especially in our genres of rap and hip hop. Um, we've, we've got a lot of young people involved, no, nothing wrong with being young, but it's just not having the wisdom and experience of age and time and the experience of dealing with different situations. Now they're put on, on the front line because everybody can see them. Everybody can see what they do. And now their, their emotions have to kind of match the persona that they are putting forth as their brand as well. So if the person is somebody who can't be tested, I mean, it, it's not even just a music. It's just, you know, some of the places where we grow up, you can't show weakness. 
So if they feel like something's making them look weak, they're going to act a certain way. <laughs> you know, it's just going to come out a whole other way. So, um, so all of that puts the label at risk. The label has no idea what's going to happen. You know, is my artist going to do something and then I got to go bail them out or, or are they going to do something they can't even get bail and now all of a sudden, boom, they're stuck. You know, and my artist that I spent all this money on is going to jail for three years. You know, it's just a risk for the label. Now, the other thing besides emotion is ego. So if you take the emotion and you mix that with ego, you know, it's this is, you know, this comes from being somewhat known, be, having a feeling of being special because their talent, um, you know, the talent that they have, it becomes a recipe for disaster. You mix emotion and you mix ego, you're gonna have a problem. <laughs> this is where lawsuits come about, um, either by fans who have altercations with artists or other interested parties like managers and producers and people who are on the team of the artist. Um, but then it's perceived that, oh, you're not on my team. So the artist kind of gets their ego involved with it and they feel like they're above and that they're running everything. And then, you know, all of a sudden there's either lawsuits or there's fights or altercations. People have been stabbed, people have been shot. <laughs> yeah, this is what happens. So that's a risk too. The, the, the label is dealing with very a very high risk situation from the emotion and ego standpoint. The one thing that the artist doesn't control a whole lot of times is public opinion either. So if I think about it, what if the public just doesn't like the work of the artist? There's been several albums that dropped this, this particular week um, in the last probably month or so. And immediately people have panned the work said this is this is not what we're expecting this is not good and there's there's always going to be people who do that um you know there's always going to people people who don't like the work that the artist put out or whatever don't know why it's maybe they're expecting it to be you know some some you know some holy grail of hip-hop or some holy grail of rap <laughs> and they don't get that and then all of a sudden everything sucks and so the public might actually put that that persona out about your music. And then what do you do? You know, or maybe you're a producer and, and you make an album with an artist and the tracks just don't resonate with the public at that time. A lot of this is timing. You know, as a producer, a lot of what you put out is timing. What you sound like has to sound a little bit forward instead of going back. I think that's one of my own personal issues as a producer is like my sound I don't think it sounds like what today's music sounds like. I think you could mix it as a producer. I think I can probably make it work. But my tracks are not going to be 808, you know, based. <laughs> you know, pretty much now it's like the track doesn't have an 808. Nobody's listening, you know, or, you know, my tracks might have an 808, but it's not the dominant instrument. Um, and it's almost like nothing else really has to be a real instrument now. Um, everything you know if the 808 is right then people bounce to it and eventually that's going to go away <laughs> so um you know because people are going to just get tired of the sound it just happens people get tired of everything every every um every nuance to the genre of hip-hop that has come has also gone um but it's, it'll stick around but it won't be dominant is what i'm saying so you know so what if the sound just isn't right like we saw little wayne's album come out and for me it sounded like he was trying to work with the tracks of today 
but that's not what he built his fan base on. That's not what he built his career on. Um, that's, I don't think that's where his voice shines. It, it really just sounded out of place for him. It sounded like he's rapping from a different era than with where these beats come from. A couple of them was tight though. Like, I mean, I liked, so I liked what he was trying to do, but I don't think it fit him um, the way that it should have. So that's, that's just a public opinion. There are people who said that um, as well. So um, the, the label is going to be forced to consider whether or not to continue funding the experiment with the artist. It's literally an experiment. And if the public opinion turns out that they don't like what's going on, the, 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 the record label is a business. It's got to decide whether it's going to continue spending money and try to, to try to resolve the issue or try to see if the public opinion changes or if it's time to cut the artist loose. So it's just a business. That's all. So think about it. If you sell shoes and people decide that shoes are not important, then you have to consider not selling shoes, right? So because if nobody is coming in buying shoes, then you don't have the revenue to support the business, you know, because nobody wants to spend money on shoes. So you better find sneakers or some sandals or something else that people are willing to buy and sell that. Maybe some boots, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to find something else. So the, um, the artist or the producer uh, might be just ahead of their time. Maybe shoes are going to be the big thing in five years. And they just, the people just miss it right now because it's not now. It could be, you know, or they could be late. They could be behind the curve. So... Um, the business doesn't have the luxury of you being behind the curve. They have to be on what's happening now, because if you don't sell what people want now, you're not going to have the revenue to continue going. So this is why signing an undiscovered talent is very risky. So um, producers and especially great producers have this ability to spot talent and they have a way of picking and choosing which talent is going to result in a profit. And the science of that is definitely inaccurate. You know, there, there are a few um, who have been in the music industry who have been really good at picking out talent, figuring out what's going to work, and, and signing that talent and turning them into to megastars. And they've done it with more than one person, or they've been on teams that have done it with more than one person. So they kind of know what they're looking for. But in general, it's going to be an inaccurate science. So in the area of contracts, we've seen a lot of high profile artists just kind of going through their contract situations. Recently, there've been a few, um, Mace, um, this Megan, the stallion girl, um, you think about situations in the past, like TLC, uh, the struggles they went through Prince, he went through his struggles, um, Little Wayne with not being able to re release the um, Carter Five. Like, there's a lot of situations like this where the contracts are not right. Um, for producer wise, you think about Manny Fresh not even getting paid for doing all that work that he did with with Cash Money. So some of them have been real public about it. So you know, at least like at least in the recent past, we've seen a lot of people bashing their labels and talking about them robbing artists. Um, it's just kind of a general statement that's made in these situations by the average person that hasn't even ever been in the business or in the recording industry saying, 
that labels rob artists it's just been since like the beginning of labels ever beginning they're they've been always called the thieves so that's um we see a lot of this in the public so we have to talk a little bit about you know what a contract is too because we talked about what a business is but now we need to talk a little bit about what a contract is so a contract is an agreement between two or more parties that obligates each party to complete certain tasks or certain milestones within it so with the commencement and the completion of those tasks there's either going to be some money or some other goods that change hand okay so we got that right we got what a contract is it's an agreement between two parties an agreement and people sign their name to it so the contract's going to have a certain date is going to start and it may have a possible end date or it's going to have some type of end goal so everybody's going to be working towards a particular goal and as that goal is completed then the contract ends or the date comes that contract ends so everybody who signs on the dotted line is obligated okay is this is not this is not something that's um that's uh, what's the word I'm looking for something that's wishy-washy or something that's um, that you just wake up one day and say you know I don't really feel like I should be in that contract anymore I don't feel like I want to do what's in the contract you're obligated that means you must complete the terms of the contract until the term of the contract is complete or until the objective has been fulfilled so an artist might agree to deliver a certain number of albums to a label for production and sale the label might agree well if you do that we're going to give you a certain amount of money up front and then as time goes on we're going to pay royalties in the form of points after of course we get a certain amount of money returned to us so um, and now with the 360 deal that extends to more things like when you go out and perform this is what we get paid used to be more like the artists would take the bulk of the money and they would pay their manager or whoever's helping them with their tour or their club dates and all that type of stuff. It would kind of be split between those two and the, and the label really didn't get part of that performance money. But now with a 360 deal, you're getting um, part of that, perf you know, the label is getting part of that performance money as well. And it's interesting because I see people online saying, oh, it's a 360 deal, meaning that the money goes out of the label and it returns to the label. That's not what a 360 deal is. It's just saying 360 just means that they're involved in all aspects. So if you're selling a T-shirt at a venue, they're getting a piece of that, too. They want a piece of everything because they're not selling physical records anymore. No one's selling physical records. And that's where they were making the bulk of their money before. At least in the beginning, um, you know, when an album comes out, when that sale happens they're getting you know dollars on a on a cd versus the artist who was getting cents so now that that doesn't exist they found another way to get money for the risk that they're taking right for the investment that they're making so the number one thing that everybody involved should know is what the contract says and what they're obligated to do by the terms of the contract that should really go without saying because I don't know any other business where where people sign a contract and they think that it's not important to know what's in it. But everybody should know. Artists should know exactly what their con the terms of their contract are, what their obligations are under the terms of the contract, what they're going to get paid 
uh, for what they're doing under that contract. Producers need to know what their lease agreements say. You need to know what it says. What are you supposed to deliver and what are you supposed to get in return and for how long? Those are not real, real hard concepts. Now, it may be a little bit hard just because maybe you're not familiar with some of the words that are used and because maybe this this is drawn up by a lawyer or somebody and the words that might be used might be a little more difficult to understand if you're not familiar with them. But just because a contract may be long or just because the contract has words in it you might not understand, it doesn't mean that you can skip any parts. The, the, the part you skip could say anything. It could say that, hey, if I don't sell enough arm, you know, sell enough albums, you can cut my foot off. <laughs> like, you don't know that if that's buried in there somewhere or something like you really don't know what's in there. Um, so you need to read all of the parts and not skip any of it. Right. So the best thing you can do if you don't understand some of the wording is look it up. We got Google people. You can look it up. There's no reason for you not to understand your contract. Then you have people that do understand your contract and can tell you exactly what it's saying and exactly what it means and can run you through scenarios of what will happen if you do and if you don't meet the standards of the contract or the obligations. And that usually comes in the form of an entertainment lawyer. It could also be your business manager. So if you do not understand what's going on, you need to get someone who does. I, I don't even believe that we're having this conversation and even saying that to someone, but this is what needs to happen. And the other thing is this. If you have a friend or you have a parent or you have a relative that doesn't have any experience with reading contracts or just even being in business in general, they probably shouldn't be advising you about a contract. I don't care what they say and what authority they have over you or, or, or what relationship they have with you. You cannot put your career in the hands of somebody who does not understand what they're talking about. Okay. Would you go to a car mechanic and, and ask him how to cook? I mean, typically a car mechanic is not going to be able to advise a trained chef on how to cook. A chef might ask another chef with more experience, but he's not going down to the local, like, you know, car mechanic and asking him how he should flambe some shrimp. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This, this is not going to happen. So why are you asking people to read your contract that don't know anything about the business and have never been in the business? This is dumb. I was reading a book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. If you read that book, um, he, he'll tell you, like, you know, he's telling you the story of the guy and, and the guy told him how to invest money or whatever. He asked the guy, how did you get rich or whatever? And the guy um, told him how he got rich. And he's like, these are the things I need you to do. So for a year he did it, but then he took his money and he gave it to a guy, I think it was like a brick maker or, or something. I think the guy makes bricks. But the guy told him he was going to go to another city and buy jewels, like, you know, jewels and gems to bring back so that they could sell them for a profit. And so the man went, took his money and went to the city and bought 
jewels and gems that turned out to be glass and they lost all the money. So, you know, and so he asked him, he said, what do you, why did you go to this dude, you know, who makes bricks and, and ask him about, about jewels? He don't know nothing about jewels. He knows about bricks. <laughs> so you lost all your money. So the guy had to spend a whole another year putting money together again. And then he finally did it the right way. He gave his money to the guy. Um, I forget what business he was looking to get into. I think it was, a uh, somebody, a brass maker or something. And they bought brass and they made these things and they made money. So, um, just the principle of that story is that you shouldn't be asking people advice who don't know what they're talking about or do don't have an experience with what you need advice on. This is very elementary. And this is why, you know, I have the tone that I have and, and the feeling that I have about these situations when I see artists with contracts and and they don't protect themselves. So you get the point, I think, where I'm going with this. You have have to take responsibility as a producer or an artist. You need to protect yourself when you sign a contract or agreement. It's binding unless for some reason, by law, you or the other party are not legally eligible to sign. So maybe you're under the age of 18. So in some states, I'd imagine maybe not all, I don't know every the law in every state in America, but in most places you need to be 18 before you can sign a contract. And if you're not 18, then you need a parent or guardian or somebody to okay the deal on behalf of the artist. But that doesn't mean that your parent or guardian is one who decides what should be in the deal or can decide whether the deal is good or not, they still need to hire a lawyer or somebody and get counsel. And that's what the expectation is. Okay. The expectation is that you, you had someone look at your business and look at the deal before you sign it. That's the expectation of the law.